The first showing of Return of the Jedi at Highland Mall was at 11 this morning, but the line you see winding around three sides of the theater started forming at 10 for the 140 show. That's how the movie is being received here in Austin on this premiere day. The Return of the Jedi is the third flick of a nine-part series, but the real critics of any film are the moviegoers who pay the cash to get in. It was great. People were just cheering and screaming and yelling and clapping. It uh, answered a lot of questions, but not all of them. There's enough to keep you wanting more. I'm a new woman. <laughs> it's the truth. Good prevails. We will all conquer. It's very good. No, it, it was definitely the greatest science fiction movie ever made. I mean, I was right in there. I, I mean, Lucas, total genius all the way. The sound, the visual, it was a total experience. I mean, it's sort of like Star Wars. You want to go see it over and over again. You're going to be back for more? Mm, for sure, as soon as I get back from London. The Force is with more than just the characters in this latest edition of Star Wars. It will be also felt in your wallets, where tickets are going for $4.50 to $5. But then no one seems to mind anyway. Episode number 159 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. And this week, we are thrilled to be doing the ultimate crossover episode with our friends from the Fantastic Sky Talkers podcast, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello. We are so excited to be here on Blast Points. Hello. We've been looking forward to this all week. (laughs) 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 We really have. I'm such a huge fan. It's just such an honor to be here. Tuesdays are so much better because of Blast Points. The feeling is mutual completely. We are big fans of your show. And this is, like I said, this is the ultimate crossover. The most ambitious crossover event in history. (laughs) I think it's going to be fun, too. I always feel like that we're almost like twin shows because it's like we're both two friends who kind of bonded over Star Wars, have been friends a long time, who now live in different cities and would be talking about Star Wars anyway, but we figured we'll make a show out of it and podcast, and we all maybe giggle too much. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. As we all break down laughing, yes. (laughs) It's very, very true. Very, very true. We've had the, Charlotte and I have had the exact same conversation about about (laughs) Blast Points and you guys. So what we're going to do here is we're going to do 20 questions, 
And we're going to go back and forth. We're going to do 10 questions from us, uh, 10 questions from Sky Talkers. We're going to go rapid fire back. Well, maybe not rapid fire, because some of these questions may take like an hour to answer. Yeah, we're not in a rush. We can't rush Star Wars. <laughs> so we did we did an informal coin toss before we got started. And uh, Sky Talkers, you're going to go first. All right. Are you ready for question number one? We are ready. I'm ready. Gabe, are you ready? I am ready. All right. Here is your first question. You're in Jin's Bucker on Lemu, and you can only bring one Star Wars read-along book. What book are you bringing? Oh. Ooh. Only one. I think I know what I'm going to say, but I want to make sure I'm not going to regret it. <laughs> I'm going to do, I, I've got to go with the read-along book for the Battle for Endor. Yes. The, the second Ewok movie, just because Wilford Brimley voice in that. You kids get to hell. <laughs> oh and the battle for endor is such a magical magical thing so dark so disturbing it's so dramatic the first time i heard it was on blast points and i was shook (laughs) shook to my core (laughs) whole family wiped out first five minutes poor little sindel well, I guess these Ewoks are my family now. End of the movie, she goes off into space with this old man that she really just met after fighting a witch that turns into like a crow. It's amazing. I think that's a good choice. I think I would pick Planet of the Hoojibs. It's got Hoojibs in it, and I can never get enough of the the sliv the slivolith. <laughs> the slivolith. The slivolith. It's got it's got cute and cuddly things, and it's got disgusting flying lizard things. Balance. The light in the dark. <laughs> yes. It's the yin yang of Star Wars read-alongs. <laughs> and it's got Leia in it, and she tells the hoojib that she loves it, which, you know, you can't be in a bad mood when Leia loves a hoojib. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes. <laughs> and it's a Leia Chewbacca adventure, and those things should be treated like a baby, like very gently. There's not enough Leia Chewbacca team-up adventures. That's the Forces of Destiny one was really good. Probably inspired by Planet of the Hood Chips. <laughs> it probably was, though. That's the thing. It definitely was inspired by it. Chewbacca looked so scared in that one. Yeah. Something I didn't consider in my answer, though, are, we're in there with Jin. So we've got to keep Jin happy until Saw comes, right? Maybe my choice is horrible. We'll caveat. Jin's not there. You're just like, you're in the bunker waiting for Saw yourself. Because I'd be like, <laughs> you just saw your mom killed. <laughs> Who knows what's going on with your dad? And here's a story about this little girl, Sindel. Yeah, no, that's a lot of stress. That's a lot of stress there. So, no. <laughs> but I'm sure that's the read-along book Saw would have read to her. <laughs> that's what they read on the ship ride after he picked her up back to Jeddah or whatever. <laughs> Wherever they were staying at the time. It's like, you should read this Ewok book. You don't have it too bad. Teach you about life. <laughs> Here's our question number one. Your By George series was fantastic. And you, very much like us, we know you're, you're huge fans of everything George Lucas. We especially are fans of his fashion, his wardrobe choices. So looking at all eras of George Lucas looks, how, which one would you classify as Ultimate Lucas? And why? Ultimate Lucas is totally sneakers, plaid shirt. I, I, I think of it as the red and blue check plaid. Yeah, the red plaid. Not lumberjacky, but somewhere in between. And then the really light washed jeans. <laughs> I think when I think of like prime George Lucas, I think of like 2000, 2001. 
George Lucas. The most George of of the Lucas. <laughs> the most George of George Lucas. <laughs> He's just like in the thick of it. <laughs> the hair's a little bit more salt and pepper before going all gray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's out of Phantom Menace. <laughs> the transition phase, Lucas. <laughs> he has all the strength of both eras, the light and the dark. He sets the balance. He is the balance. <laughs> Everything is the balance, clearly. <laughs> Jeez, even in our George Lucas answers, we're talking about like balance in the song. <laughs> it's all there in George's hair in that 2000 to 2001 interviews at Skywalker Ranch with a statue of Darth Maul behind him. Yes, that is peak George Lucas right there. (laughs) And there's, like, just beyond the shot, there's probably, like, a Coke and a candy bar. (laughs) Just off camera. You just can't see it. Or, like, in the drawer of the, like, dresser or, like, end table right behind him. It's just ready. It's just really ready. I mean, for as often as people talk about, like, young George Lucas with the candy bar and the Coke, like... You just got to imagine that he literally did have one with him on at all times. You get hungry. <laughs> you need to snack. It's, it's, hard, it's, it's hard changing the entire like culture of filmmaking. You got to stay energized. <laughs> it really is hard work. You need that sugar rush. I'm joking, but then I'm also like, it really is hard work. Like he deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves as many candy bars as he can fit into his mouth. It's completely fine with us. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, George. <laughs> if he wants to have noodles at a strip mall in Australia, he can do that. If he wants to go to Wendy's. That's really specific. <laughs> oh, it's not that specific. It's the best photo on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. How did I forget that? Yeah. <laughs> yes oh that's embarrassing yeah i know i, I know what we're talking about guys <laughs> out of the blue last week i saw somebody just popped on something when he showed up in the background of that documentary being filmed on the streets of chicago oh and that is the best thing <laughs> it's so good yeah that never gets it never loses its power <laughs> it's like oh it's a camera they want to talk to me oh they don't okay <laughs> just he goes so fast into that building which i don't think he was even planning on going in that building i think he was just like i gotta get out of here somebody's gonna ask me about star wars <laughs> relatable <Yeah. laughs> love him All right. So our next question, our number two question for you guys is, what were the reject podcast names that didn't make the cut before Blast Points? Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. I almost want to dig back through text messages. We probably have a list. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you, so... In this, I don't, Gabe, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I think I threw this name out and it got shot down right away. By by me or by somebody else? <laughs> it could. I, I don't. I think I sent it out, and I think nobody liked it. In between episode one and two, Lucasfilm hosted had a thing where they would give you a free web page where you could make your own Star Wars web page. Oh yeah, I remember that. It was like episode two gossip. Like, here's what's going on with episode two. And it was really like, everything was like moving on the screen. It was like very like 2000, you know, 2001. I remember thinking around that time, like I wanted to have a radio call-in show about Star Wars called Talkin' Bocce. 
Oh. And I remember, I remember thinking like, oh, we'll do a podcast talking bocce or speaking bocce, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, can you speak bocce? But speaking bocce, it just doesn't, it doesn't roll off the tongue. That works, but it also makes me think about that Italian game where you throw the balls. Bocce ball. Bocce. Yeah. <laughs> so I see, see why you didn't go with it. It makes sense. <laughs> Maybe that that was that was the that was the hook. It was like half about Star Wars and half about serious <laughs> bocce play. You come for the Star Wars, but you stay for the bocce ball. <laughs> yeah. We have a bunch of people in Italy listening, really mad. The huge Italy fan base is rioting, unsubscribing. <laughs> yeah, that, that one didn't even make it to me. I don't think you even told me that one. So maybe maybe that's for the best. Wasn't there a bunch with because this was right after Force Awakens? So there was a bunch with Resistance in them, weren't there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It was even. I don't know how any new Star Wars podcast can ever think of a name because it's like what hasn't been taken already. We were thinking like Resistance, like or something like that. But then I'd go on iTunes and I'd be like, well, there's something already just like that. We did the same thing. We had, I can't remember all of ours, but I know we had a Google doc and they were all really bad. They were all so bad. They were so bad. I mean, to be honest, we thought Sky Talkers was pretty bad too. I put that on the, on the list like really early on and I was like, haha, this is kind of a joke. And then we were like, you know what? <laughs> nope. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> I just remember when, whenever, whatever ones you sent me, as soon as I saw Blast Points, I was like, well, we should do that one. That one makes sense. It works so well. Yeah. We were just talking about how much we love it the other day. It's like when we've talked about something interesting and gotten really silly. So it's the blast and the points. <laughs> it's the balance, if you will. It's a balance. I don't know if this counts as a question, but what were some of the ones that you, you rejected? Well, we... We had a YouTube channel that was the most general mm. name ever, the Star Wars Girl. Girls, there are two. And <laughs> girls, yeah, obviously, there were two of us. Um, and so we had kind of, like, worked from that, but we wanted it to keep it general because, like, we really wanted to be a general podcast about Star Wars, not one specific thing. They were just really bad. I, do you remember some of them, Caitlin? The one that always is super cringeworthy in my head is the the Lucasites. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's good. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I was about it for like three days. I was like, this makes sense. You know, this is something I will stand by, but it's it doesn't really roll off the tongue. It's kind of hard to say. <laughs> that was. I think that's why we ultimately rejected it because – we were like, it just, you can't say it easily. And how do you spell it? No one knows. Like, <laughs> but in Sky Talker, it's just like sad at, in the Google Doc of like, do we like this? Is this cheesy? Is this weird? And then we're like, nope, that's what it's got to be. Yeah, exactly. And since we were talking about old names and things, this goes right to a question I had. So now, a few years in, how do you feel your show has changed since the beginning, the early episodes? And how do you feel about going back and listening to the older episodes? We have, so for our anniversary shows, we do our Star Wars dinner recap, or we like do a new Star Wars dinner. I'm always the one that has to go back and listen to our first episode to remember what we put in our very first Star Wars dinner, which is our very first episode of Sky Talkers. And it's, it's like so bad. It's so, so bad. <laughs> Charlotte and I were 
There's a couple there's a couple things about our first few episodes that are just so cringeworthy. Meaning Caitlin and I had spent months planning for our podcast to release. We knew that we really wanted to do a podcast. We had invested money in buying nice microphones. We were really in it for the long haul, but we didn't understand that you have to like manually, you know, install the mic, <laughs> let Audacity know that it's working. <laughs> <laughs> no, so we we recorded three episodes with just our computer audio, and we thought that sounded good because we didn't know any better. So I can't listen to them because it sounds so bad. It's really bad. It's really bad. <laughs> and we have we have one episode. We were just talking about this the other day where we did it in my bedroom at college, but we like couldn't use the closet. Like something had happened, and we had to like make like a fort to like try and make like a sound booth and it like with a like a legit like with a blanket and like <laughs> putting it on top of furniture it was <laughs> and then the audio sounds awful on it anyway it was really bad and it was before i really invested time in editing and understanding that you know you need to edit so we were just kind of just talking <laughs> without any breaks without any you know understanding that sometimes silence is good to like ruminate on your thought it was bad it's not good still up there. I just never listen to anything again after I spend hours editing it. Yeah. So I have to go back and listen to our first episodes for our anniversary shows. But I think like overall our show has changed and we're just a lot more confident now about saying our opinions, whatever they may be. And that definitely wasn't true at the the start of our podcasting journey. We were very hesitant. Yeah, for sure. We didn't really know what people would think of us. And we were really nervous to be judged. But at the same time, I think that we've totally embraced that we're not really nervous about that anymore. And we're very confident in our opinions. And we just kind of want to talk about them and get them out there. And I think that that we definitely weren't like that in the beginning. And also, I feel like we've, we have worked really hard to like refine our concepts um, so that we are producing content that we even though I don't listen back, but like we can listen back and it's not, <laughs> it doesn't need like a time and a place. I don't know. I'm, I, I feel like I really want to create content that I'm proud of basically. Yeah. I'll only go back to a certain point. I'll only go back post post rogue one, everything pre rogue one we did. I don't want to think about it. There's some people who are like that episode was really good. And I'm like, if you say so, cause I'm not going back. I think yeah. the only one that we both re-listened to like an entirety because that was we started Sky Talker started right after Rogue One came out um, is our celebration episode um, where we just did like a recap of our celebration experience and just because that one has like a lot of good memories in it from what we were talking about I think that's the only one that we've like gone back and like actively listened to. <laughs> there's a there's some The Last Jedi theories when the whole hype was happening for that as well that I've gone back and listened to parts, but not all, just parts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just pieces. parts. (laughs) Sometimes I like going back to really old ones where, because it's like it's so old, I forgot what we said. They'll be like, wow, this is really funny. These guys are funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Your microphone story was good because I'm trying to remember what episode it was because we had one that I think was – at the time, we were like, oh, this is one of our favorite episodes that we had done. And for some point, Jason plugged his microphone in and then unplugged it. But you didn't notice that you never... I, I never plugged it in. Oh, no. <laughs> so it was just your laptop mic. It was the Q, it was the QVC, QVC special one. 
Oh yeah, it's the QVC one. Yeah. So if you if you ever go back and listen to that one, it sounds like like Jason's on vacation on location somewhere. Like because he you can tell he's in a room and he's not on the normal microphone. And I was like really bitter about it. Like everyone's like, it sounds fine. You just sound like kind of weird. And I was like, no, it's awful. <laughs> sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, where have I heard that before? We just we just need to move on. Let's do the next one. Stop thinking about it. <laughs> just forget it. Yeah. That's literally me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, so are you ready for your next question? Yes. Okay, so kind of in the vein of old episodes, what is your favorite theory that you've had that has been proven wrong? Uh, I, I know that one right away. It's the episode where we were convinced that there was no way ever J.J. Abrams would ever come back for episode nine. And then <laughs> I think before the episode aired, they announced that J.J. Abrams was back for episode nine. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was like that day. It was like the day the episode came out and we spent like 20 minutes being like, there's no way. That's too good. <laughs> I need to go back and listen to that. <laughs> Because we spent a good year talking about the Last Jedi before it came out, and we, I know, I know one that I really liked, and I still would have been cool if it happened. The Achu planet, which is still called Achu, the the island that there was going to be like somebody, there was like a fake, like somebody said they saw footage and they saw like footage of Ray surrounded by like balls of light. Mm, oh, I remember that. I remember that report. Yeah, and I was like, yes, because I was going back to, like, Clone Wars, and I was like, oh, it's going to get so heavy. And, you know, it did, but I, I was, like, dead set that that's going to happen. And it didn't. <laughs> it didn't happen yet, Jason. It could still happen. That's, that's, very, that's very true. That's the important caveat. This story is not over yet. I have to say, I... So Caitlin and I were really lucky enough to go to the solo premiere. So we had watched solo like three weeks before a lot of other people had. So we were kind of anxiously listening to people's speculation episodes. And I remember you guys, it was like the week before solo came out. One of you mentioned like, wouldn't it be crazy if Darth Maul showed up in it? And I was, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was, I, I had like an out of body experience. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I remember. I like texted Caitlin. I was like, "This is insane. How do they know?" It was crazy. <laughs> the episode actually, you guys might have recorded it before we had even seen it, so I was still like, it wasn't like you could have read spoilers or anything. It was insane. I, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I think Gabe. I think you said that. I think I said it was like the very last thing as an afterthought. It's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. It was like the conclusion <laughs> yeah. of the conversation. <laughs> That's got to be like your best achievement of like predictions for Star Wars. Is like, wouldn't it be crazy if Darth Maul appeared? Keep trying. <laughs> if we keep saying that Master Codebreaker is going to be back in some way, shape, or form, it's it's got to, It's just going to happen because you know we've got the magic. I guess. Right? Yeah. yeah. Click your heels together three times. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves it you know he just he really does say his name seven times in the mirror he will yeah. appear <laughs> whatever we got to do to make it happen <laughs> lovey and master Codebreaker at least deserve a comic at least they do the bare minimum <laughs> like a, like just like a one shot not even like a four issue series just like a one shot who are they what's their story M- maz knows who they are 
It's a big, well, at least she knows at least Master Codebreaker, but, you know, you read the Visual Dictionary. Oh, she knows. She knows. <laughs> at any minute now, Lovey's going to take over and become the Master Codebreaker. It, in the time since Last Jedi, it probably happened. Maybe maybe Lovey was the Master Codebreaker all along, and the Master Codebreaker was just a figurehead. That would be, that would make total sense. No, Caitlin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm for it. I want to see that story. You're right. At least they should have a comic. <laughs> if not their own, like, novella. <laughs> I'm car- you may have mentioned it be- before but how did you both meet what's the moment from you being Star Wars fans friends to being we need to take this to the next level and start a podcast we've known each other because we grew up in the same town we've we've known each other since we were like five but we didn't really become friends until middle school when I was really into Star Wars after Revenge of the Sith and I forced her to watch it mm-hmm from then she really liked it and I have forced Star Wars upon a lot of people and it really doesn't stick but with Caitlin it it stuck so I knew the friendship (laughs) was going to last forever and it really wasn't until I don't know our fandom kind of grew with the Clone Wars releasing and more Star Wars content even coming out and us feeling like we could relate to a character like Ahsoka or even just Ashley Eckstein's presence but um, I think what really was the push for us to have the podcast was realizing that we really in like our adulthood we wanted to talk about star wars because we were doing it anyway we saw all these other people do it and we were like why not us so it we really kind of kicked it into high gear to figure out how we could what's funny is charlotte always says that we knew each other when we were five but i actually have no memory of that like charlotte doesn't really enter my my memories until like middle school (laughs) it's so cruel i knew her I don't remember at all. We lived in separate neighborhoods. Like our friend groups were very separated. I don't I don't understand how we would have known each other in elementary school. But yeah, Charlotte sat behind me in our uh, language arts class in like seventh grade or something. And her binder was covered in Revenge of the Sith art. And she was like, you got to watch it. And I was like, all right. And uh, here we are. <laughs> I brought in the Revenge of the Sith novelization. Yep. You know, it was sitting on top of my binder. Yep. <laughs> it was quite a scene. And I, and I only I only just read it last year <laughs> for the first time. Um, what I think is cool, like what's so great about Star Wars and like our friendship in particular is that Charlotte moved to London for two years, our freshman and sophomore year in high school. And everything that was happening like with Clone Wars and stuff, it really was like this thing to keep us connected when we were living like literally thousands of miles apart and with like a considerable time difference. Um, So it was like this thing, even though like, like always, we were always talking about like school and what was going on in our lives and how annoying our parents were and stuff like that. But like the Star Wars was something that was always just like undercurrent and whatever we were talking about. And even when I came and visited you, we went to like the Star Wars Museum and that was like first on our list of things to do. And um, Star Wars has just like always been this thread throughout our lives and our friendship together since it was kind of how it started. So yeah, once we finished college, we were like, now, well, like in the middle of college, we started listening to podcasts and it was like, we want to start our own too. Maybe we should do a YouTube channel. And that was just a bad idea. And <laughs> it failed <laughs> horribly. <laughs> it was yeah. really bad. But it's no good that we, that that failed because we were able to, we wouldn't have na- been able to keep that up at all. Given the fact that now Keelan and I live on opposite ends of the country. I live in Boston and she lives in Atlanta. So the podcast is just perfect for us. It's like our path to get here took a really long time, but it's like perfect for us. It really works. Yeah.
question is, what is it that keeps you coming back to Star Wars time after time after all these years? I think for me, it's it it's the variety of what constitutes Star Wars and the fact that it's the weirdest, strangest, goofiest guy in a rubber suit, alien for the sake of an alien stuff. But then there's also some deeper symbolism and there's things if you want to, you know, stretch your mind a little bit to look into and talk about and discuss like it, the fact that it's like highbrow and lowbrow mixed together. And it's also like a mix of all the things that I like that aren't Star Wars of, you know, sci-fi stuff, action, creatures, computer animation. It's kind of like everything that I love that's not Star Wars is part of Star Wars. So it's hard not to keep coming back to it. And then also the fact that I don't ever remember there not being Star Wars. So it's kind of, it's like food. It's like, I always remember eating my whole life. So there's always going to be some joy in eating and Star Wars is like right in there (laughs) is one of the uh, essential parts of just my existence. So I don't, I don't see how I would not like it anymore. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like my answer is almost kind of cliche, but like, kind of like what you said, Gabe, that it's always just kind of been there. And as I've gotten older, Star Wars has, you know, some people complain about this where they have the opposite thing where I feel like Star Wars has grown with me, where when I was a kid, you know, it was the toys and the action figures and the movies and it was all exciting and new and stuff. And then the prequels, it was like, I was a little older and the movies were, had more layers on top of them. And I was like, oh, you know, and I was beginning to even look at the original trilogy differently as like an older person. And then now with the sequel trilogy and the sequel films and the spinoffs and everything, to me, it's, I, I personally think that the sequel trilogy is possibly the most layered of all the movies, in my opinion. And I just love it. And it's still, it's kind of like what Gabe said, it. That same thing that I've always found appealing in Star Wars from being a small, small child and look at how awesome this X-Wing is, that's still there. I still like geek out over the picture of a new ship. But then also I love thinking about, you know, the the balance and the duality and how what things mean. And it's always kind of there and it's it's the gift that keeps on giving. I think we've said that in the last point several times that Star Wars just keeps giving and we're just so happy to have it. And it's, yeah, it's forever just been there and it's just always been just a buddy. <laughs> I still can't say enough about how much like last Jedi was just amazing to me that I never knew that I wanted that kind of serious of a Star Wars movie. And I wasn't expecting what I got, but I'm so happy that, we have that movie now and it's like as much as I can watch Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones until I pass out it's like I really appreciate having this other movie that's just as great but kind of in a in a different way that does kind of like it's like the grown-up version but it still has you know space cows and horses and all the goofy stuff as well but it's like yeah like Jason said it's like it kind of the movies grow with you the old movies grow with you and definitely with the sequel trilogy like the new movies are kind of they still have what the kids want, but they're definitely kind of growing with the adults that are still paying attention as well. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting perspective that because I, I totally agree. I feel like Star Wars grew with me as well. It's funny. I think that you almost can say that from a bunch of different age groups. And I think that's just what's so amazing about Star Wars that you can enter it at all these different points and also think that it grows with you. I feel like I will never, I, I don't know, I, every time I watch a prequel, which I've seen 
over like 500 times, right? I will see something new and something that I will want to talk about and probably can talk about for like three hours. And it's, it never ceases to blow my mind. It really, it really doesn't. Yeah. We talk a lot about like entry points in Star Wars and how every, everybody's entry point is different, but it's still impactful. Like the prequels were my entry point, but the original trilogy was what I obsessed over first, but the Clone Wars is like what I grew with first. (laughs) So it's so interesting. And then, you know, going through like the whole fan experience with the sequel trilogy, that's my first experience with it. So it's just like, it's incredible how we can all just be so excited about this same galaxy, but for a lot of different reasons and from a lot of different perspectives too, about when and how you come into the Star Wars universe. Well, and it's neat that it works in whatever order you get into it and however you consume it or watch it, like it, it still works. It's not like if you start in a certain spot that, you know, you can't get into it or, oh, you got, you didn't start at the beginning. You're not going to like it or that sort of thing. Like it's, there's enough there in, in every part of it that if, if it's something that's going to grab you, any of the movies or any of the shows are going to grab you and you're going to get sucked into that universe and it works. Star Wars is good. <laughs> if you weren't born in the late 70s, you can still be a Star Wars fan. That's what you're saying. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> the jury's still out, apparently. But uh... <laughs> It's so cool, too. Like, seeing it. My daughter's first movie was The Force Awakens. Her first Star Wars movie was The Force Awakens. And then we went backwards and rewatched all the original trilogy and the prequel films. And then going to see Solo, she's like, I liked it, but... I'm more curious about what's going to happen with Ray. I like, I just like the stories about Ray. And I was like, that is so cool. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, because that is like, that's, that was your entry point and that is your connection (laughs) to this saga. And it was interesting because when she saw the force awakens first, and then when we watched like a new hope and Han Solo comes out, she's like, Oh, is that the same actor that played Han Solo in the new one? And I was like, yeah, it is. <laughs> this, like, just this kind of reverse, but like what Gabe said, it all still works. Man, <laughs> you know, it's like poetry. That's what we say on Skytalkers. <laughs> it's all like poetry. It just, it works. That's what George Lucas says too. It's it's all about the balance, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the perfect balance. <laughs> Since it's Phantom Menace year, we need to ask you a Phantom Menace question. What do you think with Phantom Menace was the main idea George Lucas was trying to get across? Oh boy. I mean, that's such a really, that's a tough question. Yeah, that's a good question. I think if anything, I think that, I mean, if anything, I shouldn't, I shouldn't start like that because I think the Phantom Menace is obviously an important piece of film and an important piece of Star Wars saga, but I think that it kind of blew up how wars really do begin with almost these small, finite, problems like a blockade a trade blockade which sounds super boring to some people but it really is the beginning of it all that because i mean you can point to like almost any war in real life politics right and in, in real life history and see that that's usually where it starts and i i found that so like remarkable that he was willing to go there in the space fantasy um and it works in my opinion it works really well well, there's that like realistic side to it too. That I mean, that's part of what makes the original trilogy what was part of its popularity was that it was so grounded in reality. It wasn't shiny and new. And then I feel like George kind of took that in a different perspective with the prequel trilogy is that wars start from really realistic, boring like origin points, like you were saying, Charlotte. It's not like everyone, you know, that's the whole conversation about perhaps why a lot of people 
don't enjoy the prequels is because it wasn't the Jedi they wanted to see. And George is like, well, yeah, (laughs) that's the whole point is that it's not the Jedi you wanted to see and that that's why they fell. And then that's how the dominoes fell into place. But you get to see kind of that, like what you were saying, Charlotte, like that boring starting point because that's how the first domino falls. And then it's just this effect down the rest of the line and throughout the rest of the trilogy and, you know, the saga. Mm -hmm. That's great to hear because I kind of, I always think similar things that I think people miss that all the movies are, they're supposed to be myths. They're supposed to be fables. They're kind of supposed to be movies for kids that they can have fun with, but also kind of teach kids. And I think people lose the fact that like, oh, why is there politics in here? But it's kind of like he's trying to teach kids about politics and like in a way that maybe they don't pay attention the first time they're watching it, but they're kind of aware that, oh, there's a Senate and oh, there's a war. And why did it start? You know, it's kind of teaching, teaching you reality and how the world really works in this weird roundabout way with space creatures and Jedis and things. And yeah, I definitely didn't pick up on any of that. The first like 12 times I watched the Phantom Menace, it was all, (laughs) I mean, I remember Charlotte, when I first watched the Phantom Menace, we listened to the weird owl song for me to like keep up with what was going on in the film. (laughs) (laughs) There's true story that I'm a little ashamed to admit, but (laughs) it was like, that's how I was keeping up with like the politics and all the character names. And that was my very first Star Wars movie I saw, but it was only as I got older and was going back and watching it with a little bit more experience, not a whole lot, but a little bit more experience under my belt and being like, oh, oh, I see what's going on here. Um, But you have to like, Star Wars is that saga that like begs you to rewatch it and to reconsider it from different angles. And so you have to do that, um, at least give it another chance. You know what I mean? I found myself even this morning, I was listening to the news this morning about Venezuela and they, they're they having an issue with, oh, they're having, having a lot of issues, but I found myself thinking about The Phantom Menace and it's so amazing how you can kind of think about, like you say that like George is, is there to, he, he was trying to educate kids about like viewing you know certain conflicts and certain issues through this lens um, and teaching them about it. And it's, it's, it's easy for me me to kind of think about things through the lens of Star Wars now, because obviously I'm always thinking about it, but um, I think about it in politics a lot when I'm listening to things. It really helps me understand and see certain points of views. It's true. Well, it's like history is always going to repeat itself and it's always going to repeat itself that individual people who stand up for what they believe in are the people that are going to make the ultimate change, even if there's big oppressive things, you know, putting everybody down like it it always happens and it goes through cycles and but it can always get better and then that's something that like Maz talks about in the force awakens you know this like idea of history repeating and and watching these cycles of history and how there are evils in the world but there is also a lot of hope in the world and that's like what star wars is about (laughs) it's luke in the last jedi it's like why bother kind of this is this has happened before it's going to happen again what difference am i going to make you know it's like dj says you know they blow you up one day you'll blow them up you know the next but the, you know at the end luke standing up and doing something unbelievable that no other jedi had ever done before is what inspires hope that brings about the spark that'll burn the first order down yeah in the darkest time where you really think that nothing is going to change and he does the remarkable it's amazing. So good. <laughs> Love Star Wars. <laughs> I, 
next question is a little bit more lighthearted. You get to choose between two fighters. Count Dooku, representing the Lost 20, or Lady Proxima, representing the Scrum Rats. Who do you put your money on? Ooh. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) But does Dooku have his lightsaber? Doesn't matter. Does he have his hands? (laughs) (laughs) Do we know how strong Lady Proxima is, though? Like, if I was standing there in that little scrum rat den and Proxima was, like, going to come down on a headbutt on me, I'd be like, oh, I'm dead. This is it. I'd jump in the water. She seems like she could, like, wrap you up and suffocate you like a cobra. But underwater, too. So really bad. Her body is so big, she could eat you whole. Yeah, that, too. She also has, like, 25 kids just running crazy errands for her and, like, under her wing. Throw rocks at Dooku the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's just people on the sidelines just, like, helping her out. Because if they don't, then who knows what will happen to them. So, yeah, I guess Dooku should have his lightsaber to even the odds. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Have we ever seen Dooku have to interact with water maybe like that's his weakness <laughs> the pajamas don't work out near water no. <laughs> the silk pajamas get stained okay let's i mean let's really imagine this so if <laughs> if proxima was coming at dooku dooku could do like a force push on her let's say he could get out his lightsaber or we've seen by example he his first tactic might be well let's just finish this with lightning but you can't use lightning in the water Aha. So there, I think I think that there's some uh, <laughs> water maybe a Dooku weakness there. We hadn't even thought about it that deeply. <laughs> so you guys really brought it. We appreciate it. You really elevated the question. We we're just like, we're two fun characters. It, it, yeah, it may, be a, it may be a draw. Expect the unexpected and I would put money on Proxima, what? the underdog. She could have the force too. We don't know. You don't. You, there's so much we don't know about Lady Proxima. She is a, a creature <laughs> of mystery. <laughs> I think the children would really overwhelm Dooku. I think he would just, it would freak him out. Yeah, he might just get creeped out enough to not know what's going on. So I think I'd put my money on Proxima too. If one of those children could jump up and knock his saber out of his hand, kind of get him disoriented, and as or even as he's dealing with keeping the children back, if Proxima just swooped in and ate him, there's nothing he could do to stop that. <laughs> I'm just true. envisioning the scene in Solo where it's Han standing in front of Proxima, but now it's Count Dooku, and she just, what? you know, like swoops down and eats him. <laughs> I don't think she would have any patience for Dooku, because Dooku would roll in there like he was the boss. In his silk pajamas. <laughs> Yeah, she'd be like, no, you're you're on Corellia. I'm the boss. She'd be like, do you see my silk pajamas? And she'd be like, do you see all of my jewels and my children? <laughs> I win. Like, I'm a worm that lives in water wearing many necklaces. Now it doesn't even seem like a fair fight. Like, maybe we should have picked someone else. <laughs> okay, so here, here's a lighthearted one for you. Ryan Johnson calls you. He says he's coming over. He's very, very hungry, and he wants to listen to music while he eats. What do you do? Oh, my God. This is giving me anxiety already. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, like, so excited. <laughs> you were reading the question. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Um, I think – okay, okay. So with Ryan Johnson, <laughs> we're going to have, like, fresh pasta. <laughs> I think that's what we're going to have. And for music – I feel like – I don't know his tastes really in music, but I would assume that he listens to like all genres. I know. You need like an eclectic playlist. Yeah. Maybe it's just like a playlist, like starting with like Bach 
and like moving into like literally ACDC and then like, you know, really like jumping all over the board because that's kind of him, right? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like at the start of every song, like in between Mozart and then, you know, like ACDC, he would just get so excited every time he'd be like, oh my God, it's Mozart. Oh my God, it's ACDC. And he would just like really jam to anything. Yep. I think that's, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. And then I think we'd break out like the Goo Goo Dolls with... Like some red wine. <laughs> Jamming to Iris. <laughs> and you'd be like, man, this is so Star Wars. And I'd be like, it is. <laughs> and we'd cheers. <laughs> what a night. Oh, what a night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would you both agree on pasta? Um, it would have to be very elevated. Like, it's not just like that fresh pasta you buy at the store. Like, I'm slaving away, rolling out. I'm getting out the pasta maker from underneath, you know, where all the stuff is stored. And I'm adding it to the counter. I'm cranking out the pasta. I make it. It's, it's taken all day for me to make this. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna call someone to make the fresh pasta with, like, a chef. Okay. You know, better idea. <laughs> Or Ryan Johnson. I'm not going to handle that myself. I've got to, we've got to do the playlist. I don't have time to make the pasta. <laughs> the playlist takes all day. <laughs> <laughs> it will. It will take all day. And Charlotte and I are also really big fans of fan videos on YouTube. So honestly, that's probably what I'd show him. <laughs> we just like have a projector and, and talk about the beauty of fan videos. <laughs> yep. Because I think he'd really like them. <laughs> Wow, that was a trip. <laughs> Hopefully, too, it's at like Skywalker Ranch or something, and we can get a tour worked in as well. <laughs> Who's got to get something back? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, we got impasta. <laughs> <laughs> So our question, our next question is, you know, Star Wars really has a thing for tentacle monsters in recent years. So if you could choose one, which one would be your favorite? So we're, are, are we limiting this to sequel trilogy tentacle monsters or? Oh, no. Across the board. Oh, no. It can be throughout everything, like even Clone Wars. I got to go with the the space whales. The, the purgles. Purgles, Yeah. I can't get enough of the space whales. They're just so good. It's been talked to death, but I think the beautiful thing with the space whales is when the space whales were first introduced, that was a Looney Tunes episode. That was a bonkers crazy episode. And everyone's (laughs) like, I liked it, but what was up with the space whales? It was weird. And then so Dave Filoni for the big climax of Rebels, space whales are back, you know? I'm like, (laughs) of of course they are. Yeah, We should have seen it coming, but we didn't. I don't think anyone saw it coming. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. It's it is so Star Wars animation under Dave. <laughs> it's like the most Dave Filoni thing ever. It it makes me laugh so much. Yeah, it's so perfect. Every like whenever we see tentacle the tentacle monster in Resistance now, I'm always so suspicious of it. I'm like, when are you coming back around? I bet you're important. You're very important. You have to be important. <laughs> That's true. I got really excited seeing it underwater. Yeah, was that two two episodes ago? I was like, oh, there it is. It's it's still hanging out down there. <laughs> Sonara was just riding that little thing, and she like went past it, like, and it was like, yeah. she didn't even wave. It deserved a wave. No, it did. She's like, I'm serious now. I'm doing spy stuff. Yeah. 
I'm getting out of this joint. I don't know. It's like I'm tired. It's like, do I go classic, classic with the Sarlacc or no, I'm going to go Raftars. I'm going to go Raftars. Whoa. Bold choice. I still like that they're ridiculous. They come out of nowhere. (laughs) They roll. It's it's totally insane. Like all that whole part is just like bonkers. Like from as soon as like Kanji Club and the Guavian Death Gang come in. (laughs) Kanji Club? Did you say Kanji Club? The Han Solo's making goofy faces and it's. I remember being in the theater and being like, oh, this is some Star Wars. Here we go. <laughs> and then giant rolling red mouths with tentacles come out. And it's just like, yes, 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 yes. I'm going to go for Raftars. And I'd like to see Raftars again. Oh, I wonder if we will. I bet. I always kind of thought that maybe they'd show up in Resistance. And we're only like 16 episodes in. So maybe they will again. But I want to see them again, too. Maybe Han, Han Solo will show up on the Colossus. With a raftar and it'll wreak havoc. He was supposed to remember that. What was that episode where it was? Uh, it, what's his name? Oh, they talk about King Prana, right? Yeah. I almost fell off the couch. <laughs> we got this much closer to finally seeing what King Prana looks like, which I imagine him looking like Captain Crunch or something. Just really, really <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, like a piranha. Yeah, or a piranha. Yeah. I imagine him looking kind of shrimpy. Like a prawn. But I hear pir- piranha, too. <laughs> Just a, a prawn, Caitlin. Like a, like a shrimp. He's got a lot of teeth. Oh, all right. Well, that too. But that's like, yeah. <laughs> I, I can see it. Whatever you want. Bath stars exist. Why can't a prawn piranha? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> Star Wars stands out. <laughs> the Raftar, you're so right about that scene. It's so funny. It really is just in The Force Awakens, it is just this big, like, fun scene. It really does stand out. It's great. This is not a too difficult one, but I'm curious to hear what you have to say. So, Last Jedi came out. You're in the theater, you're watching it. What was the most surprising thing about Last Jedi the first time you watched it? Raylo team up. Raylo touching hands 100 <laughs> percent shook us to our core <laughs> we will never be the same <laughs> yeah Charlotte's Kylo Ren was like a, that was a statement <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, mm-hmm, that, yeah. Was, that was it <laughs> it's I don't, I don't think we can ever go back after that it was like it, points were made points were made things happened people reached across the galaxy People say that like the Luke's Luke's death was really shocking, but I had convinced myself that Luke was going to die like two weeks before the movie came out. I was like, I had texted Caitlin about it like basically every single day, like it's happening. I feel like it's happening. <laughs> we should just prepare ourselves. It was awful. <laughs> like I feel it in my bones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I feel like because I was prepared for that, it wasn't so shocking. There's so many shocking moments in that movie, though. I I wish that I could, I like recorded myself and our time there. I take it back because we had always been. I mean, obviously, we, like on Sky Talkers, we're very big like redemption for Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, and I think we always knew that like Ray would be a part of that. So I think we were kind of anticipating that in the Last Jedi. I don't think we were anticipating it as much as we got in the Last Jedi. I will say the thing that really shocked me about the Last Jedi was Ben killing Snoke. That was like something I hadn't really considered at all because honestly, Snoke doesn't take up a lot of time in my Star Wars brain. (laughs) But 
I was not expecting that at all. And that was such like a mic drop moment in the film. There's so many shocking moments. Yeah, because that was always a thing. I, I still makes me laugh, like going back and watching the trailers again of just how much when the, the trailers came out, we thought the trailers were messing with us when really they were just showing the movie. And because they were just showing the movie, we convinced ourselves that they were tricking us. And it was all, it was all kind of right there, but we just Mm -hmm. couldn't accept it until we actually saw it in the movie. It was like the word misdirection was everyone's favorite word after the trailer came out. And there was none. Absolutely none. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's so funny about it. I need someone Show me my place in all this. All right, so for each of you, what is the number one thing you want to see happen in episode nine? And now I'm drawing a blank, and it's not like I don't think about this and we don't talk about this all the time. It can be funny or serious. Maybe, like, at least for me, like a broad thing. I don't want things to be wrapped up in a nice little bow at the end. I would still like to be able to have mysteries and discussions, especially around the Force, Ben Solo and Ray, kind of what they mean in the, in the Force going forward, beyond what we see in 8 and 9 and 7, kind of what is the future of the Force after this? And what does this mean for the Force? I think for me, yeah, it's like there's so much with the new characters that I, it's hard to even imagine what's going to happen. But I think I think I may have talked about this before. It's like there's part of me that really wants to see just one more adventure with 3PO and R2-D2 together and and maybe with BB-8. Even though there's only supposed to be one more sequel trilogy, I feel like we're going to get stories with Rey and Kylo and the new characters potentially in some form into the future. But maybe R2-D2 and 3PO are not going to be here forever. I don't know, but I kind of like in a movie want to see them teamed up doing something again since we really haven't seen them together in the at all in the last two movies oh i hadn't thought of that and that kind of makes me sad i know i miss them <laughs> i'm not even a 3po fan but that makes me sad <laughs> yeah it's like you you really only you only need to like 3po for r2's sake it's like r2 likes 3po so <laughs> because r2 likes 3po I, yeah i want to see them together for r2's sake more than my sake yeah, I miss R2-G2, honestly, if if not for 3PO, which I think Caitlin doesn't really like 3PO, but I still think, obviously, we both revere them as integral parts of the saga. It, it feels like, I don't know, I miss R2-G2. I love BB-8, but I miss R2-G2 as well. Yeah, and his scene with Luke in The Last Jedi. So good. It always hits me over the head with emotions. <laughs> so good. That scene is way more perfect than I ever imagined it could be. It's like mm-hmm. the perfect use, the perfect use of R two D two in that movie. It's, it's amazing. I know. I've been thinking about it more, and I anything that harkened back to the prequels, anything that would have to do with Anakin or Padme or any kind of talk of the prequel era, be it big or small. Yeah, it's really important for me as well. And well, it's got to come full circle. I mean, it's like poetry; it has to tie back. <laughs> it's the balance. Yeah. It's the balance. Like, it's all about the balance. (laughs) It's like the last one has to reflect the first one. It's like the balance. (laughs) Balance. (laughs) From your excellent weekly resistance episodes, we know that you are fans and followers of Lucasfilm Animation. Where do you see the animation department? What role do you see them playing 
in the future of Lucasfilm and or Star Wars? I feel like Dave Filoni is maybe without a title right now, but the head of Star Wars television. And I feel like we're going to see a shift in the future with not just animation, but like with Star Wars kind of moving into television as it's uh, like a separate, like there's, they're going to have the films and they're going to have the television shows. And I feel like Dave is kind of stepping into that role as heading all of that. And I feel like it's only like a matter of days when that's kind of announced. And that's kind of my pet theory about it. But I'm a little worried about what that means for animated series. But um, Caitlin, what do you think? One, I'm so happy for Dave Filoni. Really proud of him. (laughs) (laughs) So proud. proud. I kind of have the opposite opinion. I think Star Wars animation is going to continue it in a lot of different forms just because it has been so successful. And what I think is great about Resistance in particular is that it is having this timeline that's crossing over with the sequel trilogy, which we don't get that really. We get that a little bit in Rebels and not in the Clone Wars really too much. Um, but the fact that like these timelines are now weaving together, I think is a really big step for animation. Also the fact that like Darth Maul was in Solo, like we're getting these big pieces, like the importance of animation, I feel like has been elevated over the past couple years and like people wanting to know what's going on in those stories too and not just seeing them for seeing them as solely stories for children. When of course they are, because all of Star Wars is for young people. But I I think that Star Wars Animation is going to do a lot of, I hope it does a lot of different things in the future too. Like maybe we start having a series limited run or, you know, like a four season series that's, you know, completely detached from, you know, the main saga films. It's completely its own thing. Or we we talked about this a couple weeks ago on our show about them doing like a highly stylized animated film about like the Mortis gods, which I think would just be bananas and so fun. Um, But I actually, I think maybe they might do like another animated film. We talked about this, Charlotte, about them like kind of going back and like giving an animated film kind of the marketing and time it deserves that the Clone Wars movie regrettably didn't really have. (laughs) Yeah, not at all. I think that even with just the success of movies like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is just kind of showing the ways that animation can kind of transcend um, like the general thought about what animation is, not just for kids. It's, It's a medium. It's not a genre. And I think that that's kind of where Star Wars should head to with their animation department. I think it would be really cool. I'd love that if we got a full animated movie with a significant marketing budget behind it for Star Wars. Yeah, it is kind of crazy that it's like Disney owns Star Wars and Disney, I would hope, knows a thing or two about animated movies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you'd think. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a little, just a smidge. Yeah, we've talked about that too, that it it would be interesting to see them do another theatrical animated movie. I think it would be great. Yeah. I mean, that's what's so fun about animation is it can, like, we like obviously all of us here, like, love the crazy force stuff. And I feel like that really thrives in a lot of ways in animation. Um, you can just get really deep into some weird parts of the force. And so I hope that pieces of that continue. But then at the same time, like, we've loved Resistance for how tactile it is and how, um, 
Like there isn't a whole lot of force going on in it, which honestly I was really surprised that I would love it as much as I do since I am such a big force person. Like you can do so much in animation and I think it kind of gives you some more freedom that sometimes live action doesn't necessarily allow. And so I think that the future of animation is kind of pushing those boundaries of the types of stories we can tell in Star Wars and kind of going to some new places, seeing how it works, trying something different. And, and hopefully we'll start to see that reflected more and more in the, in the live action films too, which I think we do, but you know, it's different in animation. I, I got to think too, that the Disney plus streaming is a perfect thing for Lucasfilm animation where there's less of a risk if they want to do something weird and just do like a one shot. Like I, I, I don't really see them looking, going backwards, but I would love to see animated versions of like the Lee Brackett Empire Strikes Back screenplay. Yes. Yes. Wow. Things that have a, a niche market, but there's less risk of just dropping it on the streaming thing, like a made for Netflix movie or something. Here's just like a little thing we did, animated, watch it, don't want to watch it. You don't have to. It's not a series. It's just it's just out there. I, I got to th- think that they will use the Disney Plus streaming as a way to introduce different kinds of things. Definitely. I, I would love that so much. That's the best idea ever. It really is. <laughs> So our next question is about your sound library, which is the best thing ever. You guys have always had like the best sound clips, the best sound effects and everything in your show. And I was wondering, what's the weirdest sound bite that you have stored or you've used or something? <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's hard for me to answer that because I edit them. So Gabe, what... <laughs> I'm trying to think, but do you have some that you sneak in that I don't even notice because you, you've started putting them in like just quiet enough that if you don't know they're there, they're, you don't hear them sometimes. In just about every episode, I sneak in the contact chip of Anakin saying wizard. That's amazing. That's the best thing ever. I'm going to try to find the wizard every time now. Yes. <laughs> I think some of that stuff started because you forgot to turn tracks off at some point and there was like some secret things got in on accident. It was like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. We'll just keep doing that. There was an episode where I did something wrong with editing and a do back sound kept repeating <laughs> through an entire episode. That was it. That was it. <laughs> Yeah, and I didn't know how to stop it because, like, it wasn't showing up. It was just, like, mysteriously playing. As a Dubak would. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, either I freak out and try and figure out what's going on, or I just leave it in, and people will just assume that it's just there to be weird. Yeah, I want to say I told you that. I was like, oh, man, I like, I like how you played the Dubak sound so much. <laughs> and you're like, I couldn't figure out how to turn it off. That's amazing. <laughs> The ghost of you back. <laughs> My like kind of follow-up <laughs> question is like, how big is your sound library? <laughs> I get nervous that I'm running out of space on my computer. That that's what I'm I'm nervous for you, and I have no idea what how much you actually have in there. But I'm like, good lord, where is he storing all of it? <laughs> it gives me just an excuse to watch endless George Lucas clips, which I can just never get tired of listening to George Lucas talk about deep topics, about love and joy. And how it all relates back to Star Wars. And I just try and put as much of that stuff in episodes as possible because it's just like you, everyone needs to hear this. Everyone does need to hear it. I will say, and 
and and maybe I'm a little biased because I did make the the Han Solo clip with all the times they say Han Solo in Force Awakens, and that one still makes me laugh every time I hear it because it still blows my mind that they really made a movie where they say Han Solo that many times in one movie. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's, it's still it's, it's so absurd that like we went through what how many movies are there now and they for whatever reason Force Awakens they say Han Solo like 20 times and it's just I don't know I never get tired of it. And it's usually like the full name too. <laughs> Han Solo. Han Solo. Han Solo. Han Solo. Han Solo. Han Solo. Han. Solo. Han Solo. Han Solo. Han Solo. Han Solo. Well, here, since we were talking about Disney Plus and Star Wars TV, if you got to decide what a new Star Wars TV show for Disney Plus would be, a live action, what would you pick and why? Um, I think my answer is I want to see a continuation of the Kira and Maul plotline. It's so interesting to me, and I think TV is the perfect medium. But I wish I had a more like interesting answer for that one. My answer is I feel like we, we've had this question a couple of different ways, too, and I always say something along the same lines of I want a show about the Lost 20. <laughs> I, real, I genuinely do. I I'm low-key obsessed with The Lost 20, and I need to hear everything about them, who they are, where they come from, how their busts are made, how they stick around, why they – I just – I need it. <laughs> so I need, like, a mini docuseries about The Lost 20 to go on Disney+. Plus. The thing with that that would be awesome, too, is it it almost, like, writes itself that it would, it would be 20 episodes, and each episode was about one of The Lost 20. Oh. Yeah, it's like, oh. <laughs> This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> Oh, it's just a good title too. We, it's spooky. It's spooky. We a lot of intrigue. Mm, <laughs> we would know so much. I feel like it would really shed a lot of light on the Jedi as a whole. I need it. I'm so intrigued by the last twenty. I this is one of the things I'm looking forward to that I hope they talk about in the Obi Wan and Qui Gon novel because the if you guys read the summary that came out on StarWars.com, I think they talked about how Dooku was going to be a part of it. And I was like, oh my goodness, are they going to talk? About when Dooku gets his bus installed. <laughs> <laughs> in and I kid you not, the idea of this being talked about in a book is what I'm looking forward to most after episode nine. <laughs> Caitlin, no, it's not. Clone Wars is. <laughs> I mean, yes, but. <laughs> yes, but like also. <laughs> I just, like, my history nerd museum self is like, what is going on with the last 20? Let's dissect this. Let's break it down. I need to know all the details. Like, do they have a carver on staff in the Jedi? Do they carve it by lightsaber? Oh my God. <laughs> they have to, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's no other option. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Do they? So when the Jedi leave, when the Jedi is like, I am now a part of the Lost 20, do they take their lightsaber and then carve their bus with their rejected lightsaber? Or maybe that's the only way you can leave is you have to carve your own bust. And they're like, okay, did you carve your bust? Yes. Okay. You can leave now. <laughs> it's a prerequisite. Yeah. It's like your, it's like your uh, resignation letter. You have to carve your own bus. Yeah. <laughs> it's your two weeks notice when you turn in your bus. It's your two weeks notice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just there's so much there, and like Joe Costa knew will be involved, and did they always live in the archives? I gotta stop, but that's what I want the TV show. I mean, I'd watch it. I was thinking too. I think the interesting thing with the your idea too of the of the Kira Mall story is I think I'm more interested than that. They wouldn't even need to have Solo Han in the show. I think if it was just the Kira Mall show, I'm into that. And that's not just saying not saying that like I'm not interested in. Um, uh, Alden Ehrenreich's performance as Han, I, I loved him. I thought he was great. It's just I'm way more interested in the Kira and the Maul dynamics. So interesting. Well, that's that's like the mysterious, that's the story we don't know, right? Where anything with Solo is kind of, it's fun to see Solo, but who would ever imagine seeing some sort of a drama with Darth Maul in it? <laughs> All about, you know, crime and intrigue. That's one of my favorite things is that someone who has no interest in the animated shows will see Solo and be like, oh, I guess he was in the animated shows. I should go find his episodes. And then they land on Dathomir. And like, what an what an entry point into Star Wars animation of Dathomir and like Mother Talzin. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that really warms my Star Wars heart. <laughs> It's really baptism by fire. <laughs> I mean, there's that whole scene where Mother Talzin like appears as a ghost ripping through Dooku's stomach just to have a chat with him. <laughs> that is so crazy. Star Wars animation is so good. So good. <laughs> Celebration is just around the corner. What Star Wars snack are you bringing to the overnight lines? Ooh, that's good. I was just looking at backpacks today too. I'm trying to trying to like I need a new backpack for Celebration. Do we even eat at Celebration? Because <laughs> <laughs> we just eat like once a day. We usually have a big breakfast. Is what our plan of attack has been. But that's a normal day. We're talking about the overnight lines. Yeah. You're in there for the long haul. Now, Anaheim, okay, so Anaheim was our first overnight line, and we got too much food. Do you remember that? Yeah, because that was the when they were giving everybody pizza. Yeah, and we remember we went to like the Walgreens beforehand. Oh yeah, we did. oh you're right, we did, we did, and we were like <laughs> we we didn't know what to expect, and we were like let's oh let's get all let's get granola bars and let's get all this stuff and let's just get healthy food and let's get water and let's get juice and stuff. But then we showed up and there's like Lucasfilm pizza and there were people like super nice people next to it. And everyone was like, who didn't get pizza? And everyone's passing pizza around. And then there were the people next to us with the deli tray. Remember that? Yes, you're right. Have some sliced ham. Yeah, by the time we were going into Force Awakens panel, we were like, I have an entire box of Pop-Tarts that I did not open. And what do I do with this box of Pop-Tarts? I was going to say, too, I forgot. It's slightly off topic, but that's when we went. I f- remember now that was when we went to, was it the Walgreens or whatever? And there was the guy from the UK who was asking us if Pabst Blue Ribbon was a fine American lager, <laughs> something. Like that. <laughs> and, and okay. We didn't have hard to tell him that, that he should probably get something else if he's looking for a fine American lager. <laughs> but Orlando, did we even bring food? That's all a blur. Orlando... Gabe's plane was insanely late for the 40th anniversary panel. So I was in the 40th anniversary line and I didn't eat at all. I can't remember with the last Jedi panel if we, if we ate, if we brought any food with us. 
I think we didn't. So I think this is a good question to remind us that we need to bring snacks so that we can remember celebration instead of being in a coma. Come to think of it, I can't remember anything that we ate at last celebration, Charlotte. Those really sad commissaries that are like super overpriced. It's like some greasy pizza pizza. We ate that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I want to say it, at, at Orlando when in the in the overnight line, they had the like pretzel machine. Oh, yeah. And something that they, that they would open up in the middle of the night. Yeah. That I think we ended up eating that. So. My and I would say this is advice for everyone: know yourself, know your body, know what can give you an upset stomach, and don't risk it. You've got to like everything with me with celebration is I have to be in peak physical condition, <laughs> <laughs> so, and so I am not rolling the dice with any food or anything that's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't eat that, you know, or even though I'm like technically like on vacation and when you're in vacation mode, sometimes you're like, I'll eat anything, but at celebration, it's like, I have to stay alert. I have to stay good, you know, like let's stay focused. So fresh fruit, whole grains. <laughs> Vitamin C. Yeah, get a lot of vitamin C. <laughs> my, I think my strategy at the overnight line is go in with a full stomach. And if you can gun it without eating until you get out the next morning, go for it. <laughs> because it's just one more thing that you have to carry with you. It's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it is true. It's good advice. It is. It's just funny. It's, it's so like. <laughs> you could say it's all about having a balanced plate. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's true. It's really just working out that balance. Mm, yeah, between what your body needs, what you can handle, you know, what Star Wars requires of you for the day. <laughs> what sacrifice you're going to be making to the gods of Star Wars. I kind of like going into those overnight lines of just like, all I need is me and my badge and I'm good. Let's just get through this and let's get in the panel. Yeah. yeah. What's funny is Charlotte and I were looking at our Google Doc that we had from Star Wars Celebration in Orlando, and we had like a whole packing list for the overnight line. <laughs> like a whole separate packing list. Yeah, a separate packet packing list <laughs> of like earplugs, <laughs> yoga mat, sleeping bag, snacks, <laughs> music, headphones. Too much stuff. Really just too much stuff. It was too much stuff. It was too much stuff. And we had to carry it out, sadly, after we did not get it. <laughs> I, I will say the one thing that we did in Orlando that was very helpful versus Anaheim is we went to like a like a Walgreens a CVS beforehand in Orlando and we got inflatable like pool rafts for sleeping on. I said we should have done that, Charlotte. I know. You sleep on that and then the nice thing is after that's done, just like pop it and throw it out. That that was a lifesaver. Yeah, I was gonna say just deflate it. <laughs> <laughs> well we kept we kept it at least for oh i guess no because the first the first night we didn't have it yeah the second night we didn't need it another but yeah i think we would probably you can deflate it and put it back in your bag and it doesn't take up any space as opposed to like a yoga mat or something i feel like the benefit of being in in orlando is that those uh pool floaties are readily available i feel like <laughs> in chicago <laughs> there are no pool floaties in chicago in april I, I already bought a pool floaty when they went on sale in the fall oh so smart <laughs> dang it <laughs> really prepared you may need to bring your bring your pool floaties with you from warmer climates i don't know on the keeping on the subject of food what star wars on screen eaten food 
would you most want to try and why? Um, I'm, I work with food. Um, like I'm, I, I think about food all day <laughs> and I'm really intrigued about the rising bread. And I think, I feel like this is a boring answer, but I want to know, is it pillowy? Is it super dense? What does it taste like? Is it salty? I need to know, are there flavors of umami? <laughs> Probably not. Well, you never know, Caitlin. I feel like the point is that there's like nothing. It's like air probably <laughs> for a ray. Like that would probably serve the story. But I do want to know because I know that they actually made that piece of bread that it is edible. I want to taste it. That's what I really want to do. I want to go back to the deleted scene from Attack of the Clones where they're all having dinner on Naboo. <laughs> that seems really nice. It seems like a much better meal than what Charlotte's having on Jakku. <laughs> so I want to go back there. The setting is great. I'm sure I'd have like a great outfit too. Like Padme would do my hair. I think we'd have like really good food. <laughs> I bet it'd be like all like from their garden, like behind the house too. It's like all very local and fresh. You know, on Dryden's yacht... There's some weird food there. <laughs> a good bar setup, though. <laughs> good bar setup, but some weird crab legs. Yeah, no. Some strange jello-y looking things. Mm-mm. No, see, you're, you're shaking your head. You're not into it, but I'm into it. I would like to try it. Okay. Yeah, Chewbacca liked all of it. He had no problems sampling it all. Next, Charlotte's going to say she wants to try Porg, too, just like Chewbacca did. True. Okay, I really don't. (laughs) Chewbacca didn't even try that. Yeah, he didn't even get to try it, which is kind of sad because he went to all that trouble to cook it and... Roast it on the fire, probably seasoned it. He didn't even taste it. (laughs) He he took off all the feathers. (laughs) He really went through the motions. This isn't an official one of the questions, but no, Jason and I talk about this all the time. I think there's only one Star Wars movie that nobody eats in it. Can you think of what that is? And are we right that there is only one movie that nobody eats in? Is it The Phantom? No. No. Is it Revenge of the Sith? I think so. Well, okay. So here's the thing about the Revenge of the Sith. If you count, if you count the deleted scenes. <laughs> Do we? And I always, I always remember this in the novelization. <laughs> I'm always talking about the novelization clearly. But I remember there's this like stupid part in the novelization about how C-3PO is so stressed that like Padme requested something called hoy broth for the delegation of 2000. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I always think about that. Why do I remember that? I don't know. (laughs) And I know that that, that the deleted scene begins with C-3PO like the actual scene from the movie, not in the book, begins with C-3PO offering um, Padme's guests the hoy broth. So I don't know about that one. But I think that if you if – you, that's not technically canon, right? So That's good to know, though, because it, it hurt my head because I was like, oh, man, there's always – there's always Star Wars. It always has food in the movie. And then I got to Revenge of the Sith. I'm like, I can't think of any food. What's going on? But didn't we – and. I'm racking my brain. Where do people eat in Rogue One? There's food all over on, I can never remember the name of the planet where Kazian is at the beginning. And then there's people selling food and eating in the background on Jeddah. And they have, when they do the flashback to Coruscant, they're drinking. Yeah. Krennic's drinking booze, right. So. Oh, that counts. That counts. Lyra has a glass of milk for gin, right? My 
My mind is blown about this Revenge of the Sith thing, though. Now I want to find the food. It has to be there, right? That's what I kept thinking. <laughs> well, good. Now you're you're infected. You can you can try to figure it out because yeah, I've <laughs> racked my brain way too much trying to figure that out. Because the only other thing I can think of, which I think is another deleted scene that was wasn't the boga supposed to no not the boga the nos monster that got cut was supposed to eat one of the probe droids or something so there was at least a monster eating something oh yeah still yeah no no one eats food because there's a lot of walking and talking but there's not a lot of sitting and talking where they could like eat while they're talking yeah that's why it's that's why it's the darkest movie (laughs) everybody's hungry the hanger awakens (laughs) (laughs) They need the deli tray. <laughs> if they had just prepared and come in with their box of Pop-Tarts, everything would have been fine. <laughs> Remember the food? Know your body. Know what you can handle. Do they eat it? Do they eat at the opera? Does anyone eat at the opera? I don't think so. It's a classy, it's a classy opera. They don't have popcorn and stuff at the at the classy opera, right? I think the opera is a good a good guess. Maybe they'd have like spa- like cocktail shrimp. I think that might be a good place to look. But I think I think that I don't think it's there. But if it was, it should be there. At least in the lobby. Like snacks before you come in, like a little refreshment bar. I always think of <laughs> I'm thinking now of that robot chicken spoof, that scene where Palpatine is in his office, Circa Revenge of the Sith, and he's ordering lunch. <laughs> and it's just like, he's like, oh, no, I'll have a Diet Coke. No, 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 no. I want a regular one. Give me a regular one. Oh, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. I thought my Dark Lord of the Sith could protect a small thermal exhaust port that's only two meters wide. That thing wasn't even fully paid off yet. Do you have, do you have any idea what this is going to do to my credit? <laughs> oh, hang on. I got another call. What? I'm very busy right now. Oh, oh, well, well where are they going? Huh. All right. Um, just get me a turkey club. Uh, coleslaw, I guess. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to eat it. What, 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 what are you getting? Yeah, see, I, I always order the wrong thing. No, 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 I'll just stick with that. Okay, bye. Wait, what? Oh, uh, cherry Coke. Thanks. Okay, so for our final question... We ask, someday we'll have you on our show, and we hope that's soon. And we always ask our question of the Star Wars dinner, which I'm really bad at explaining, but basically it is five people that you'd want to have at your dinner party. But we'll ask you that on our show. But until then, which three characters would you want to help you out in an escape room? And this is characters, not behind-the-scenes Star Wars people. Oh, it can be be behind-the-scenes people. It could be anyone. Anyone tied to Star Wars. I, then I would uh, I would have John Knoll. Yes. <laughs> Dennis Murin and uh, just for fun, Watt, Watt Tambor. So <laughs> just, to, just to keep it interesting. So John, John Knoll, Dennis Murin and Watt Tambor. We would tear up that escape room. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, I will do Kathleen Kennedy and I'll just listen to anything she says. I'm Carrie Fisher. She'll get out of there. Harrison Ford. He really does get out of tricky situations, huh? <laughs> he does. He he would just he would casually hit the right button and the door would open and he'd, you'd be free. He'd crash the whole escape room, but he'd walk away fine. <laughs> and, well, and he could just build a whole other door if we if you needed to to get out of there. <laughs> True. <laughs> he'd like fashion a hammer out of whatever he could find around him. 
<laughs> also, I like that neither of us picked George Lucas because we have no faith in <laughs> as much as we love him dearly in getting us out of an escape room. Oh, no. He's probably still in there. Poor George. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I think John Knoll was a really like a good choice. That's the, that's the practical choice. Yeah, like truly like the definition of practical. But yeah, Carrie Fisher would probably be more fun. <laughs> and I bet Carrie might bring snacks too, so. And Gary. She'd also bring Gary. I would imagine she would have like sweet tarts or something, like really weird. Like like gummy lifesavers, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> so this is something we, we've danced around before when with uh, with earlier questions, but one thing I love about Sky Talkers is how much your friendship with each other comes across in every topic you do, every every minute of every show. It's very clear that you two are good, very good friends, and I, friends is such essential ingredient to Star Wars. The whole idea of friendship and people helping each other, and how much of your friendship has changed through the podcast how has star wars influenced you both in in your friendship as far as like the podcast influencing our friendship i think it's just something that keeps us in contact with each other honestly because not that we were ever out of contact with each other but there were definitely like a couple years like in our early college years where we were living across the country we weren't talking as much as we did when we were in high school um but the podcast really was something that I think has really kept us together. And we talk about this a lot on the show. It's like, okay, I know that even if I don't talk to Charlotte for a week, you know, come the eighth day, she's got to talk to me <laughs> so we can record the podcast. Um, but the thing is, it's like, I don't know, there's there's so much going on in the Star Wars world that we're usually talking about it, even, you know, not on the show, but then we're also talking about, like, what's going on in our regular lives, and, like, I just started a new job, and, and I don't know, it's just, like, it's been, I think I said this earlier, but it's been this undercurrent of our friendship through, for the entirety of our friendship, um, so it's always something that's been there, and so I think the podcast has really just even strengthen that to like a whole new level, which is, which is really special. I mean, that's probably my favorite thing about our show, which is kind of corny, but it's true. It's funny. Cause I feel like on another, just kind of on a, um, I totally agree. It's, it's my favorite thing too, but it's funny. Cause I feel like now we know each other even better than we used to just because we understand every, like each of ours, um, our verbal tics and like everything that we talk about, like we know our beats and our patterns. And I feel like we could say that before about um, our friendship just outside of like recording and basically talking only over audio. But I think it, it changes things where you do feel like you know a person a little bit more. And I think it's true um, just because you kind of speak to them kind of intimately about kind of a, a treasured subject. I totally agree though that I feel like it is a pointed time on the calendar for us to talk Star Wars, talk our, talk our lives and, um, always kind of get together to catch up. And the best thing about Star Wars really is that, like you said, like at the center of it is this amazing story of friendship and love. And I feel like that's something that we can relate to, um, just with our friendship and hopefully someday we'll talk about like the theme of friendship on our show. But, um, I, I feel like often, 
it, it, I don't know. I think about it. It comes up. I don't know. I'm just so thankful for my friendship with Caitlin. Yeah. It's just like it's it's integral, like Star Wars. I think you said – one of you said this earlier about Star Wars being like essential to your life. And that's – I mean that's what it is for us too because it is – what brings us together every week. And and all of us were talking about this before we started recording about like, okay, so how long do you guys talk before or after the show is done recording? <laughs> and it's like, oh, every time. <laughs> it's at least like 20 minutes. I mean, Charlotte the other day said to me, I think true friendship is like editing out all of your sniffles when you have a cold in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's true. And that is real friendship. And it's like now Charlotte knows that I've had a cold for like three weeks. <laughs> Because she's had to listen to it when she's editing our shows. I think you can really tell when someone's friendship is real and you can hear it. And I I find that when I listen to Blast Points, and it's one of my favorite things about your show as well, um, is that you can tell that you guys have such a history and a reverence for loving Star Wars and loving it together. And um, I think that's so great. And I I find, I think that's one of the reasons why I love your show is I, I find these like, in the Venn diagram of similarities of our show, there's a lot that overlaps. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's yeah. eerily similar sometimes, yeah. It's all about balance and friendship. Like the thing is, is that it is. Though. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. But it is. That's the thing. It is. <laughs> We're joking, but we all believe that because it's true. It's just like what all Star Wars is about. But it's true. <laughs> it's serious, but it's funny. Serious, funny, balance. <laughs> And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. How can people... For some shocking, weird reason, they, they're not already listening to your show. How can they change that and start listening? Well, if you'd like to start listening, um, our show is called Sky Talkers, and we do a main show every other week about a variety of topics. Um, and we love all of Star Wars, so you'll, you'll hear us talk about all pieces of it. But we also do a Resistance Recap which I guess is kind of its unofficial title. Um, we try to get that up every week. Sometimes it's, the schedule isn't always set, but it's always up um, of the week. And you can find us on skytalkers.com or at skytalkerspod on Twitter. Or Charlotte and I's personal handles are at Caitlin Plusher and at Clarity, and you can find us there too. Thank you both so much for coming on doing this. I think, I think this was really great. Me too. Thank you so much for having us. It was so fun. It was. It was great. Yeah, it was so fun. I can't wait for you guys to come on to Sky Talkers. You gotta. We're ready. Mm-hmm. We're ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're excited. And as far as us, you know, the drill, iTunes reviews, you leave one, write a little something, we'll read it on an upcoming show. And check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Sign up for the Blast Points Super Chill Group on Facebook, where it's always Blast Points time and... 
feel free to subscribe to our Patreon now uh, to help support the show and get a few extra episodes every month. Just last week, there was the commentary for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Only the best. So there'll be more Patreon stuff coming up on there soon. But as far as episode 159 here... That's about it. That's about all we got. Thank you, Caitlin and Charlotte, once again. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you for having us. It's so fun. Really amazing. All right. See you later, everybody. Thank you. All right. Goodbye. Bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. just waved i don't know why <laughs> i did too i did too <laughs> you're like channeling the snl ending uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. <laughs> you really went for it all right i'm gonna stop <laughs> here we go may the force be with all